I think so many times people try to network up when they should network out. You grow together, right? And you experience those things together. And you remember when all of you were like, you know, in the office working late and grabbing lunches and doing whatever needed to be done. You have people you can lean on and discuss these experiences with. And together you grow up. TTYA Talks, the podcast. Hi, Brianna. Welcome to TTYA Talks. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get into it with you because many, many people are so posted that black square, but I don't know if they really knew where it came from. So we're going to get into it a bit later, but let's start from the beginning. Like, where did you grow up? You know, your school, your, your education, where did you study and where are you currently living? So I was born and raised in Brooklyn, um, Brooklyn, New York. But, 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 uh, I, I went to school here. I, for college, though, for university, I went to school in Pittsburgh, a, a university called Carnegie Mellon. I studied economics with a minor in African and African American studies. And I don't use any of that because I wanted to work in music. So <laughs> here we are. I, I was actually undeclared for the first two years because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was just like, well, you know, I'm here. I'll figure it out. And I always loved history, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I actually wanted to be a dancer originally. And my mom was like, no. So I was like, okay, well, what else can I do? <laughs> so that's why I like really went forward with music because that was, you know, I always loved music as much as I love dance because it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, where I'm from. My family's from Ghana. Um, my, more, my mom came here when she was, uh, she came to high school here. So she's been in the U.S. for a while. Oh, your so, mom's integrated, integrated. Not yeah. in the freshies like mine. My mom's still a bit of a freshie, but yeah, your mom's really, really integrated. <laughs> I feel like they all act like freshies. I don't It's like, you've been here. Like, how do you, like, you know this stuff. They like to act brand new. But yeah, my mom has been here for a long time. So uh, me, my sister, my little brother, we were all born here in, um, in Brooklyn. So what was the transition like? Because... I was quite similar. Like I studied one thing and went completely into a whole different industry. So what was the transition like for you from studying one thing in high school and then completely being like, "Mm, actually 360 U-turn, I want to go and work in music. And how was your mom with that reaction? Because my mom was just like, you guys are just playing games here. You better go and face your studies. (laughs) So I've always, um, in high school, you know, I wanted to be a dancer, but like Mm -hmm. I was in high school. Right. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to be a dancer. My mom was like, Nope, no, you're not. And then I was in college still dancing. And I was like, okay, well I'm not, I was college in Pittsburgh. So for dance careers, you should be in like a major city. So New York, Atlanta, LA, Miami, but Pittsburgh is like not a dancing city. There are no tours. There are no artists who are rehearsing there. So you don't really get that opportunity like that. So that's when, even though I was a major in econ, I knew that I was not a person who could wear a suit every day. Um, Mm -hmm. I was not someone who wanted to like stick to one hairstyle every day. So I knew that I wanted a creative career. And because I always loved dance, I always loved music. So that's when I really went hard into trying to work in music. I like, I, I found an email address for, a, p- a person who worked at Bad Boy online and I emailed them like every other day for like a month until I got an interview. And then once I got the interview, I got the internship. And then from there, it was easier for me to get more internships. But you know, all of that time, I wasn't really telling my mom like, oh yeah, I'm going to work in music. I was just like, yeah, I'm in school. Don't worry about it. I'll figure out a job later and kind of just working it out. And, um, you know, I graduated and didn't have a job. And at that point, she moved to New Jersey. Um, Mm. So I wasn't 
and, and, you know, I don't know if you know, you know, the states like that, but, you know, some parts of New Jersey are really close, but some parts are really far. And she lived in the part that was really far and I didn't have a job, but I knew I needed to be in New York to work in music. So I didn't, after I graduated and didn't have a job, I didn't go to New Jersey. I stayed in Brooklyn and I like, you know, I stayed on like my aunt's couch. I stayed on uncle's couch. I stayed on friends' couches just to like intern and figure it out and just try to like make my way because I knew that if I went and just got a job for the sake of getting a job, that I was going to end up in a cycle where I wasn't going to be happy. Oh, that's amazing. So basically, you know, you kind of, I know you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but your kind of entry level into the music industry was through your internship at Bad Boy. Talk us through how you kind of got started there and like your your career journey today. Yeah. So I started at Bad Boy. That was my first internship. I worked for Carlene Roy. Um, so she's, uh, she was at the time she was Puff's assistant, his executive assistant, but now she actually has an agency called the Vanity Group and they do amazing events. And so I always see her and I still work with her. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I always say like, I was Carlene's intern, like, you know what I mean? It's amazing. So um, I, yeah, I started there and I was about to go into my junior year of college from, I think I remember. Um, So then I went back to Pittsburgh for college and I interned at a radio station in Pittsburgh, which was really cool. Um, And then I would come back to New York and help out at Bad Boy whenever I could, whenever I had some time, like Christmas break and spring break and all those things. I always stayed in touch with her. Um, And then I was also interned at a at a club in Pittsburgh. And at the time, it was around the time where like Mac Miller and Wiz Khalifa were just coming up, right? They weren't like just coming up, but like they were Pittsburgh celebrities because they were both from there, but they were kind of like coming up in the rest of the world. But for Pittsburgh, like they were like it at the time. And so they would always perform at the clubs. I was doing all of like that clubs, uh, the shadow lounge is what it was. I was doing all of their social media and they were always performing there. So it was really, really good. I always like to say like, I feel like, Wiz got popping outside of Pittsburgh around the same time where I started working. And I was like, oh, look, it's like in my head, we came up together, but he don't know me, but it's okay. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, so I worked in, um, I was interning there and then I came back and I got an internship at Columbia Records in New York and I did marketing and I worked for a woman named Quincy Jackson. She's amazing. Um, So at the time she was doing marketing for Beyonce, for Maxwell during the uh, Midsummer Night's Dream project and then others. So I got to work with her on those. And, you know, that summer she actually had just lost her assistant. Um, Her assistant left. I don't know. I can't remember why. So she had a temp. So essentially me and the temp were learning the job at the same time. So I got a lot of amazing, like really hands-on experience and also even had the opportunity to stay, but I still needed to graduate. Right. So it was a hard decision, right? Because I'm just like, well, if you know, I want to work in music, I'm getting an offer in music. Why wouldn't I just stay here? And then I think I forgot who told me, but someone was just like, well, you know, no one would give up their degree. Like, why would you give up your degree for this job? You know, like your degree can like take you far. And I mean, in the end, I don't know if I all the way agree with it. I do agree, right? Having that, having that educational background and that, that thing that you control that no one can take away from you, but also you want to get your foot in the door. I think for me, it was the right move, right? But I don't know. I think I mean, I I wouldn't say I would change anything about that, but for me, it was the right move at the time. But I do think for, you know, for people and students in the future, I don't know, just look at your opportunities and see. You took the job. No, I went back to school. Oh, you stayed in school. Hey, so you gave up the opportunity. Okay. This is interesting one. Okay. 
university and I stayed in school. I, I graduated and I didn't have a job. <laughs> so I didn't have a job. And then I interned again. Um, and this time I interned at Violator Management, which was Chris Lighty's company, RIP Chris Lighty. Um, so Chris Lighty at the time, the management company had like Diggy Simmons. There was Buster Rhymes, Soldier Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mariah Carey, like there were, he had a few people. So I was interning with them and I learned a lot. Like it was amazing. They had like a brand partnerships arm as well. And he was managing 50 Cent at the time too. And that's around the time that 50 had just sold. Uh, he had the vitamin water deal. And Chris Lighty was one of the people who like connected the dots for those deals. So, you know, 50 got really rich off of that deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? We always had vitamin water in the office. So, um, you know, so I learned a lot from them and I even actually worked for his wife on the weekends when I, cause I wasn't getting paid. I worked, she had a consignment shop in, uh, you know, in lower Manhattan. So I worked for her on weekends to get money. And then I would work there during the weekdays. Cause you know, I'm now I'm a college graduate, but with no job and like, you know, I can't pay rent. My mom lives in South Jersey. You know, I have nowhere to go, but I'm figuring it out. Right. Figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Figuring it out. Um, I interned there for about a summer. Um, and then I got an internship opportunity at rock nation, which was really cool. It was in the digital marketing department. Um, I, at that point I wanted a job, but I had a lot of great experience. I was like, you know what, let me just continue to do it. I'll figure it out. I wasn't really, I wasn't getting paid like really, honestly, even aside from like the weekend job, but I will say that I had the best experiences and I always figured it out at that time. Like I was never hungry. I was never out on the street. It just, you know, I, I was where I needed to be at the time. Um, and I got the internship at rock nation. Um, and then I was working in digital marketing. And at the time, Rock Nation and Rock Aware were, you know, they shared services. And then after a few months, um, probably about six months, they split. So Rock Aware went, um, I forgot the name of the company, but they went to another company in Rock Nation, stayed under Rock Nation. So now there was an opening, right, for new digital marketing people at Rock Nation because all of the old people went over to Rock Aware. So, um, boy, I bet they regretted that boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, they wanted to work in fashion, right? Fashion, yeah, yeah. yeah. Music, so music yeah. it was, yeah, it's definitely different. Like, I didn't, I never really wanted to work in fashion. Music was what I wanted to do. So I stayed over at Rock Nation. Um, so, and the job was part time after a while because now they needed people, and I wasn't just an intern. So it was part time, and then it became full time, and that's how I got my foot in the door at Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started in digital marketing, and then I, I, you know, made my relationships in the building. I used to work for uh, Chaka Pilgrim uh, part time and help her with her things. She was a video commissioner, but she was always part, uh, and she was also like consulting on the marketing side. Um, She's she was part of like the Rockefeller back in the day family. So she's always been like, you know, in that whole crew. And I was helping her on the side, just like, you know, with things that she needed. And I just made sure that I made my relationships around the building. And then eventually that turned into a better position in international marketing with Dara Michelle. Mm-hmm. So, and that's probably, that's when I started coming to London and eventually met you because I was doing international marketing over mm-hmm. there. And then our departments kind of changed and then we became global marketing. So I started doing U.S. stuff as well. Um, and then 
I'm going to be long-winded. I'm sorry. I'm like going through all of the like. No, <laughs> but you know what? I know you're going through the timeline, but there's actually a, a really, I wanted to ask you about interning because okay. I feel like it doesn't happen in the same way now that it used to happen then. And mm-hmm. I wanted to really ask you because you did quite a lot of interning, like even just listening to like where, you, so what were some of the most valuable skills that you learned? Because like I said, I feel like interning has changed. It's changed yeah. so much now. And do you still feel like interning is relevant in this current, like 2020, like, or 2021, sorry, markup of how the marketing um, business works? Do you still feel like interning is still relevant? I think it is, you know, because I think no matter what, the music industry is such a specific place that school can't train you for it, right? When you think about it, there's no class you can take on how to market an artist, right? You can know the basics. Yeah, you want to do online ads. You want to make sure you build your timeline, blah, 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 blah. But to really cut through the noise, you have to know your audience. And the only way you can do that, and it's, and the audience for, is forever changing, right? Like the only way you can do that is by adapting. And there's no class and there's no curriculum that can say, this is the way you break an artist. So mm. I do think interning teaches you a lot because you're able to experience a bunch of different things and just learn on the ground and know that like, no matter what, everything is kind of your job because in the end you want to make it successful. So if that means you need to go and help find a feature, even though there's an A&R, like help the A&R, you know what I mean? Like who needs help? How do we get this to work? Because in the end, if it's successful, we're all successful and that's all we want. Mm. So what would you say was the most valuable skill that you learned interning? The most valuable skill that I learned interning was that Ooh, some it was someone at Sony. He's told me that um, it's like I, I wanted to do a lot, right? And I think we all want to do a lot. People like us, we just like, oh, we can do this and we can do that, and we can do it, but we may not be able to do it all at once, right? And it sometimes it's it's uh, you can be good at a lot of things or great at a few things, right? And really just mastering what you are great at versus trying to be, you know, trying to jump into too many things at once. And you can get to all of those things. No one's saying not to get to your dreams and what you want to accomplish, but you may not be able to do it in one in one sitting, right? Maybe it's about lining it up and saying, okay, once I get through this, then I'm going to focus on this. But you can't focus on too many things at once because your attention is going to be split and you're not mastering anything you're just like doing a bunch of shit your fingers are in too many pies that's what we Mm -hmm. say over here (laughs) so then going back to rock nation like i know you obviously went on to like you know global and international and then you kind of became meek mills day to day like that's a completely different role than from being in marketing to be being a day-to-day manager what did you kind of learn along that journey and what was that transition like for you So along that journey, uh, I learned so much (laughs) and it was also around the time of, it was, I started with Meek in like 2015, maybe. Um, So he had just come out of jail. It was like two weeks before his uh, welcome home concert in Philly. And I I literally just got thrown into it. Like we had to figure out how to put together a concert. And I have never done that before, especially a concert at the Wells Fargo Arena. Like it's a large scale concert. I learned production. I learned how to wrangle artists, how to, I learned everything. I learned logistics. I learned how much a private jet costs. I learned so many things. You know what I mean? There was so many things I had to learn 
learn. I learned how to create merch, how to sell merch, how to work with the venues because in the end when you're selling merch, you just can't sell merch. Like you're working, the venue is owned by Live Nation. You have to work with Live Nation. There has to be a, you know, a P&L, a balance sheet at the end. Mm-hmm. You have to work with their, like there's so many different things that you have to learn even just knowing when it comes to uh, special effects, like, you know, you can do pyro, but you may, you may not be able to do pyro and confetti because that will not be. A, a Health and safety. That might set off the right. smoke alarms. On exactly. <laughs> you may not be able to do both of those things, right? There's smoke machines. It's like, what do you really want? How much do these things cost? Right. And, mm-hmm. and even led screens, the type of content you need, it is a lot. Right. But I enjoyed it and I learned a lot. And also and getting to work with his team was just amazing. Like he, uh, they're very like, they're very, very passionate. They're very like family oriented. He's very loyal. He's a Taurus. Um, you know, Taurus is a, I'm a Taurus too. We're, you know, we're loyal to a T it's just like, it's ride or die. yeah, we're ride or dies for real. So he really operates like that. So getting to work with someone like that and go through the highs and lows, I will say I learned so much. Cause you know, we went from there to, um, dreams worth more than money. And then we had the Drake beef, right? And then you had a court case. And then you had all of those type of like house arrests and all those things. And to be able, and I feel like what I learned at that point in the music industry was that not everyone's loyal, right? And And you are hot one time and people will be all around you. And when you're not, people will disappear. And really being able to get through those times with people that you can trust. And I I think learning that at that point in my career, where I was like going from kind of like, I was transitioning from like this young, you know, eager person. I'm always eager, but like this young newbie to like, wow, I learned a lot, not even just about how to do my job, but how to navigate with people. Because in the end, when the people who kind of like fall by the wayside because they are like, oh, well, you're not the hot one anymore, right? That not only applies to him as the artist, but like to the team, you know what I mean? And it's like all all of a sudden people who were like all like, oh, can I get tickets? Can I do this? Can I do that? No one's hitting you up. No one's replying. But then, you know, what I learned also, because we got, we came out on the other side of that, right? And then he became hot again. People come back. And you're just like, wow, I remember you. I remember the comments, but we're going to keep it cute because I'm not petty, but I didn't forget, right? And you Mm. know those kind of things. And you kind of just learn that like, you don't, just to have your core people and having that loyal group of people is invaluable, right? It's like, it's, it's the one thing that no matter what, knowing that you have good people that you can trust that will always be around you is more important than a lot of, than having just a lot of people for the sake of having a lot of people around you. Yeah, that's popped. I agree with you. And I think that's one of the hardest lessons and the most grateful lesson that I, that I think I got when I first started working in music. Obviously, I work on more the like, you know, external visual marketing, like how do we amplify? How do we execute? But it's the same thing. Like, you know, it's like when you're working with certain artists and obviously everybody always knows your name and like, you know, people are always want to dial in and it's like, then it's like ghost town, you know? And, and also the same thing of loyalty of just like knowing who your friends are. I think for me, when I grew up, I grew up in, in like South London, like my mum worked a lot. So again, like friendship meant so much to me because I grew up with my friends. Like essentially, my, I, we all raised each other, you know? And then when I came into music, it's like, it was just that hard, you know, corporate, st- some people, would, some people would just step on anyone or just like, you know, relationships 
like I'd never seen anything like it. I always called it gladiators. Like I'd never seen anything like it. It was literally kind of every man for themselves. And like you said, it's true. Like you had to kind of find your eclectic group of people that you can vibes in, that you knew that you could trust. And I think I was so lucky where working in nightclubs and working in nightlife, you know, that aligned me with the right people that would always be like, oh, eyes, can I get into this club? Or are you doing this event with this artist? Can we connect? Like, you know, so I think when those people grow with you and then they get into higher positions and then like, you know, so it's always keeping that network. And that's what I was, one of the, one of the questions that I had for you was just like, how have you managed to kind of sustain your organic network through the industry? Yeah. So I think you touched on a really good thing, right? Those people who were with you, right? And like, I think so many times people try to network up when they should network out, right? Because just because we're interns now, then we're assistants, then we're coordinators, then we're, you know, but all of us kind of, you you grow together, right? And you experience those things together. And you remember when all of you were like, you know, in the office working late and grabbing lunches and doing whatever it needed to be done. And now it's like, oh yeah, you can laugh about that, but also you can talk about that too. You have people you can lean on and discuss these experiences with. And together you grow up and you grow up in this industry that, you know, a lot of people outside of the industry don't get. You can't really talk to your high school friends about it, right? Because they don't get it. They don't understand why you're working till midnight or, you know, in the office. They may not, you know, we love them still, but they don't understand it. We have so many experiences that people are just like, why are you doing it? They don't even pay you enough for that. You're like, because I love it, right? <laughs> and no one gets why you want to do it. And you also know there's, you see so much potential in it. And I think we also get so invested with like what we do and the artists we work with that, we really want to see them win because when they win, we win, right? And we feel that. So people don't get the passion that we have for it, where sometimes you don't really get to go to all the events or birthdays and dinners because you have to work, especially in the beginning. And um, I just think it, you know, having that network of people that, you know, spans across and you guys kind of come up together, you will be the, that generation of people that run it together, right? And you should have those people, you know, you'll be the top of your company and they'll be the top of their company and you guys and all can kiki key, key, key it up and laugh together on your yacht, hopefully in the future, right? Like that's the goal that we all kind of come up together. So I think that community is very important. And I also think, I've been able to maintain my network by just being loyal, right? And being real and being honest and knowing that like being nice really gets you far. Um, I, I will say that it doesn't hurt me to help someone, right? It, as long as it doesn't hurt me to help someone. Like if I'm literally like, <laughs> like it was like, I'm exhausted, I am tired. I still try to find a way. It may not be in the time that they need, but I won't forget, right? And I'll always be like, okay, let me let me try to do this because it, it doesn't take that much out of me. like. Why can't I just help someone? And it's not because the karma comes back, but because like, what, you know, why not? Like, why not help this person? This person is a great person. They're smart. Oh, I always, you know what I always do? I always send my friend jobs. Like no matter what, I'm always like on the internet, just seeing what's out there. And I look at the job descriptions. I'm like, oh, this could be good for that person. And I just send it to people. You know what I mean? Because you just never know, you know, what position someone can be put in when they get the opportunity. And who knows? You know what I mean? And they can also make magic on their on their end and like change the world in their own way. So like if I can help someone find their own magic and find their next, you know, spark, why not? 
Oh, that's amazing. So I know you went on to kind of work at Atlantic and I think that's when we, our paths were crossing quite a lot when you were at Atlantic Records and you went on to kind of be like senior director of marketing and your roster was so heavyweight, like from like the late Nipsey Hustle to Janelle Monet to Stormzy, Burner, you know, that's such a wide roster and so many different genres as well. Like what I actually really wanted to ask you was kind of what goes into like building those marketing strategies around those artists, especially in particularly when they have such an eclectic music but also brands like you know their music is eclectic their music is diverse but your strategy is it kind of similar to each person or do you always have to keep kind of tailor it to their audience I think you tailor it to their audience right and I and you know what makes it hard about being home is that I really like to get to know the artist so I can know like who they are what their little things are like oh this makes sense right like this works for this person oh I know of this person you should meet because you guys can get together and create something that you know what I mean so that makes it hard about this time but really getting to know the artist and where their lane is right because every artist kind of has their thing that makes sense and knowing I, I I think I go from, I approach it as a consumer first and think about, you know, who are the artists that I like? How does, how does uh, that artist like, why do I like them? What are the types of things that they do as the consumer? Where are the places that I go? Like, where would it be dope if we had like music or an artist come through just on what we do on the weekends? And I think approaching it as a consumer first and learning just people and how people like to enjoy and where what people enjoy will go a long way because in the end, music is about touching the people no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. So I do approach it differently per artist, but of course there are things you learn from working on different campaigns that you can apply, but every artist has their own special things, right? And really bringing that out and also every art, essentially every artist has like their own special star quality and acknowledging what their star quality is and tapping into that and showcasing that to the world. I was going to ask you, what is one of your most favorite activation stroke campaigns that you've worked on? I love all of them. Oh my God. I, I I love, I love so many of them. I mean, of course, Nipsey was very, 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 very special. Um, he was just like such a, I mean, all of them are great, but Nipsey was definitely a special person. And I'm not just saying that because he's no longer with us. He was very hands-on more than ever. Like he was on every email. He replied first, even if I'm on the East coast and he was on the West coast, like I'll send an email to the team. We always put him on copy and he would reply first. And I'm just like, how are you awake at this time? You know, even I need sleep. Like, how are you doing this? When it came to promo, he was on time. He was there before we would be there. You know, artists have like a stereotype for being late, even though all of them aren't mm-hmm. always late, but they do, right? They have that stereotype, but he'd be there ready with his tea for the interview. Like he was just like, and he was just very, very humble. And I think, I think it was because like, you know, in the end, Brick Lap was like his first debut album, right? All the rest were like projects and mixtapes before that. So I think because he put it out kind of later and he was able to like really do a lot of stuff in business and community. And, you know, he was the first person that, that actually told me about cryptocurrency. Um, you know, he was very early on a lot of those things. He had so much knowledge. And I think him knowing all of those things and being slightly older when he put out his debut album, he had a different approach to the business side, right? It wasn't just like, oh, I'm giving you guys the music y'all figure it out it was like we're doing this together like we are a team and i i have stuff to contribute on the business side on the creative side as well as the music side so i i think that's what made it a bit different 
But um, no, there are special things, I think, with everyone. Like Meek, I, I will always have a special, like, you know, love for that because I learned so much. Just And, you know, I think that helped me become like, who, who do I want to be in music industry, right? Like, I don't want to be one of those people who is only around because you're hot. You know, if we're friends, we're friends. That's just it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not, we're friends only when, you know, you're popping on the charts or whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and also like, you know, Berna, I think having that family environment with his team, it was unreal because in the end, you know, like, like mom knows best, <laughs> right? Mom knows best. You're like, all right, well, all right. Auntie well, Namix know, knows best, I yeah, tell you. Best, right. And I learned so much and they're very family oriented. And I love that. You know what I mean? Mm. I really do love that, like tight knit crew, tight knit team. Like I, I love that about them, you know? And, and also I think being able to do something that was fairly new for the U S when it came to, uh, you know, African music was really, really, really good and eye opening, especially with my family being from Ghana. I was like, yeah, we can do this. Like we have to do this. Like, you know, and not only, because your music is amazing, right? And you have a message, not only you can dance to it, but you're saying real stuff on it. But like, why can't African music be popular in the US? Like who's to say why, you know what I mean? Like, why can't it be? So it was, yeah, so many amazing moments. One of the things that I've really loved about you is that, you know, like, it's so funny because the reason why I started this podcast, because one, I wanted to highlight amazing, incredible black women like yourself. But secondly, is to show that everybody's journey is so different. Like you can, like there's people who have like, you've literally interned your way from the beginning to the end. And I feel like sometimes, especially with social media, not everyone always gets to see the, the, the struggle and the work that's gone in. Of course, we all get to celebrate the highlights. And I thought it was so important to like tell your story for people to hear your story because people always think that you just come in at, at the shining at the end you just right. you just started at the meat mill you know and started shining where it's like nobody would have seen like the years of the grafting and the hustle and what I've loved about your hustle is it's literally been from the ground up so you deserve all the accolades sis um, <laughs> the next thing I kind of wanted to get into with you is obviously like blackout Tuesday the show must be paused because you know for us I think you know RIP George Floyd, but I feel like the knock-on effect from that was so global. And I think what you and Jamila like created was so important. And you basically halted a billion dollar business, you know, in one day. And, you know, tell us all about it. Cause I think there was a, so many people that kind of posted the black square, but maybe weren't really sure where it originated from or where it come from. So tell us a little bit about why you guys thought it was so important to start this movement. Yeah. So, you know, it happened very organically and, you know, in our jobs and entertainment, right. You know, what do we always try to do? We try to go viral and we try so many different things. And it's just like the only things that go viral are the things that are organic and you don't even know how. And that's the same thing that happened with us. Honestly, we were, it was a Friday. Um, I still remember she actually sent me a text, <laughs> the original text this morning. Uh, she was like, remember this? And I was like, yeah, this is crazy. Like, you know, months later, but it was a Friday and it was after George Floyd. It was after Ahmaud Arbery. It was after Breonna Taylor. And um, there were protests happening everywhere, honestly, in the U.S. Like the Bro- Brooklyn was on fire. They were like, you know, we had a curfew too. You know, we couldn't be outside after a certain time. And it was also COVID and black people were, black and brown people were dying even more than others. Mm -hmm. Like 
the history of systemic racism and what we have access to when it comes to healthcare. So it's just like, you have all of these things. Like we're literally dying in the streets from COVID. We're dying in the streets from police. We're dying in the streets from everything. And it's just like, and no one cares, right? It seems like no one cares. It's just like, hello, like we are stressed. Like this is not okay. Like we cannot just continue to work and work and and output stuff, put out stuff when it's just like, yo, we're your employees aren't okay. I'm sure your artists aren't okay. Like this is not a good time for us. So we were just frustrated, and you know, I called Jamila, and um, I was just like, you know, we should just take a pause. So then we decided together that it was going to be a Tuesday because it was a Friday when we talked about it and we didn't want it to be like, um, you know, we just wanted an extra day over the weekend. We wanted to purposely be like, we are not okay. And y'all need to take notice. Right. But essentially, initially we just wanted it to be like, we thought that if we sent it to all of our friends, it goes back to like the part about networking out. Right. And not always networking up and using your community. So we knew that where we were in our career is like the people that we knew across with our network, both of us, um, that we did enough work in the industry that if we all took a day off, it would be like, something's going on. Like all the people are, all the black people are gone. Like we're all the black people, you know? So we, that's, that's what we thought, right? We were like, we, in our head, like, it was like, okay, at least we'll, you know, we'll have these inner conversations with our companies. And then we started texting it to people she came up with the hashtag. I made the graphic uh, on like my phone. I'm not a designer. I made it on my phone. We started texting it to people and people were like, well, you know, do you want us to post it? We're like, only if you feel comfortable with it. But the real thing is honestly, like, we just want you to take a break. If you need a break, they just can't keep working us like this. Everyone felt like this sense of like heaviness and tired and not sleepy tired, but just exhausted from all exhausted. of this. Mm-hmm. Exhausted. So we started sending it out to people and then people were just like, oh yeah, well, I want to post it. I want to share it. I'm going to send it out to my people. And it just started spreading. Right. And that goes back to community and network. It just started spreading. And then people started posting it online and then it just kind of went crazy. And I remember when we saw like a hundred reposts, we were like, oh girl, we went viral. <laughs> and then it became like more. And I was like, oh, that's like really viral. I don't even know what we thought we were doing. Like it, it became like even like, past our wildest like what we ever could have thought it became like when we saw that companies in the UK like people who weren't in music because you know it was for music but other industries were participating we were like oh and then it became like the whole black square thing and we're just like but that's not what the message was you know what I mean it really was about a break it's not about muting ourselves it's about taking a break from our day-to-day responsibilities so that we can either mentally like relax or like figure out how we fix this you know so we learned lessons in that where like you learn about you know when you have an opportunity to really say something, make sure your message is clear, right? So that you don't get confused about the black square and what that means. Because, you know, what we never wanted to do was mute the Black Lives Matter uh, imagery that was going on in social media, right? We wanted to, those, that's what we should have been focusing on, right? We should be talking about that. We should be seeing that. What we shouldn't be doing is just having to make sure that we're able to like, you know, just focus on our jobs when it's like, okay, yes, we love our jobs, but like lives are a lot, very important. Right. And our, Mm -hmm. our sanity is really important as well. Mm -hmm. So we learned that lesson in that, but also in the end, I will say that overall the, the message of what we tried to convey did come across and I wouldn't change anything, but we did learn about being very direct with your messaging. And also like, you really never know how much power you have until you try until you flex those muscles. Exactly. <laughs> so what are your ne- your plans next for the movement? 
Yeah, so we um, we actually just finished up our Black History Month is in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. Our career series, we called it From Books to the Boardroom, and we did a series of conversations and panels um, via Zoom and Twitter t- targeted uh, college students to really expose them to the various careers there are in the music industry, right? So a lot of times you only know about the manager, you hear about the A&R and the artist, but like, you know, there's marketing, there's publicity, there's, uh, you know, the creative team and the different types of creative people, right? We had people like yourself who work on the agency side and have your own thing who work with the labels and the artists. We had people who work on the inside. We had video directors come in. We had A&Rs. We had, uh, you know, legal and business affairs. We had publishers. We had all of that type of stuff. We had all of those people come in and speak. And we also had, what I loved also, my favorite panel was the one we did yesterday was with coordinators um, and HR, right? Because it's really about how you get your foot in the door, right? And the coordinators and assistants are the ones who are most cl- are closest to that experience because they've just done it. And they are literally in the thick of what we've been talking about, the hustling and the grinding. You know, we're all hustling and grinding, but they're in those beginning stages where they're, you know, they're just starting out and they're trying to make it past that first level and they have a lot to contribute, right? And then also HR knows how, you know, you get scene? How do you get your resume to be the one that stands out to even get the interview? The hardest part is always getting the interview. You know, once mm-hmm. you kind of get the interview, you can really like, then you got to fight for your life. Then you say, this is why I need the job. This is why I'm the best fit for the job. You know what I mean? But how do you even get to that point? So I think um, like that was one of my favorite conversations, but I've learned so much myself even from those conversations. So I'm sure the college students that were on it learned a lot as well. I think the biggest lesson I think that came out of it as well for me anyway was the the power of conversation because even when you know you guys launched it and like I think it really empowered so many black people within the industry to realize their power because obviously like the industry across fashion across music across the arts profits so much off one black struggle black artists black music like you know but again I just feel like we really, it was like an awakening. I think we really began to see our power, you know, and and we're not nowhere near where it needs to be, but I felt like so many amazing conversations and actions to, it wasn't just about us talking now, us complaining about we're not being seen or we don't get paid enough or where are you using our music to profit? But I feel like now it became, okay, what is the action that needs to be taken? And and what is the timeframe that that action needs to be taken in? Like we need KPIs, we need answers this way you know so I think it really became like we saw our power within that time and that was what I really took away because you know so many I had so many incredible conversations but I also was tired like because especially for a lot of us that have been in the industry for a long time we're not saying anything new we're saying things that we've been saying for the last five ten years you know minimum so it's not anything new we've just never maybe really had the power to navigate it in a way and I definitely feel like I feel you sis when it comes to the network and the power of your network and really engaging the network at the right time you know and you know even speaking of network like I remember when you and Ayana came to London I think it was around wireless and you guys you know had your kind of um 
brunch and it was like all incredible. I've never seen that many black women sat around the table before in that kind of setting. It was like Nobu and Shoreditch. And, you know, for me, I just remember I first met, that's when I first met Scotty. That's when I first met Ade Samuel, an amazing stylist. And I just remember looking around and thinking, wow, like I really wish there was a way that we could continue to do this on a global scale. Because even though you guys are in New York, LA, we're in London, that it's almost like we're still connected. You know, tell us a little bit about why you and Ayana started kind of the brownies and, you know, why you think your platform is so important. Yeah, no, that, by the way, that brunch is amazing. It was like, I I still love the pictures that we have from that day. It's just, it was just a beautiful, a beautiful day. It was like sunny, the sun was shining, hitting our skin. It was amazing. Um, No, I will say that the brownie started really organically, honestly. It started when we were, uh, we worked together at Rock Nation. Ayana did publicity, she still does PR, and I did marketing. So we kind of became like a tag team on projects. People were like, oh, we want the brownies to work on our projects. So we became like a duo, you know, and that developed into parties and hosting parties and being, and you know, Lenny let us uh, co-host one of his parties early on. And we were just like- Legend- Legendary Le- Lenny parties. Right. Yeah. Legendary Lenny. Yes, exactly. And he, <laughs> and he really championed us and let us co-host it. Um, and that was like kind of the start of like the brownies, but it developed into so much more than parties. So we started, um, you know, after- after a while we did, I believe it was like uh, one of, I, it was like Ayana's birthday party and I helped her find the venue. It was a Leo season party, right? Her and some other Leos that they have, you know, the Leos, <laughs> you know? Um, so I helped them plan it. And I had a contact at a venue and, you know, it was just an amazing party. And then the contact came back and she was just like, that was great. Do you guys want to like residency? And we were like, Yeah. you know why not right like hey we'll do that so then it became like you know we started doing these monthly parties that started taking off right and it became women like us right women working who uh you know we work really hard and sometimes we don't always get to have fun and just go and relax and enjoy it became women like that and you know because you're attracting women like that the guys are like oh i want to go to the brownie party because that's where all the women who are like the boss women are right exactly Mm -hmm. that's where you know so it kind of like became that kind of moment and we also didn't want it to be like VIP GA. So, and you know, we wanted to be like, we're all together. We're all industry people, or we're all just people who are killing it in our various careers, whether you work in entertainment or not, you know, just, we're just going to come together and have a good old time and have fun and not care about who's who and who sits where or whatever it is. So it was all G it was all just like everyone at the same level, no VIP section, no couches, no bottle service, none of that. It was like every, even if you're an artist or celebrity that pulls up, you know, we can help you get a drink, but there's no bottle service. Like there's no sparklers. There's none of that. Everyone's just coming to have a good time. So, you know, we started doing that. And then we started tapping into the other things that we enjoy doing. Ayana loves hosting book club, right? She loves reading books. So, and people would be like, oh, well, we would love to do that with you. So then we started hosting a book club, right? And then it just became, um, you know, organic things that why can't we just do this together as black women, right? Like we all love to do it. You love to read books. I love to read books. Let's read books together and discuss how it really makes us feel, right? And then it became, um, you know, uh, you, we had a run club because we were running. running. club, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah, that, we yeah. Well, and then, you know, I think when it comes to working out and, you know, you're a runner as well. Like it's, when you're starting, it sounds like scary when you hear, when people tell you how many miles or kilometers they're doing. But when you think about it, if you start with one, and then go to two, eventually you can hit 20, 
You know what I mean? It's it's all mental. It's okay if you walk for five of those. It's okay. Like no one's saying you have to like win the race. <laughs> you just have to finish the race. You know what I mean? And getting people into that mindset and helping people understand that we literally can all do it. You just have to like be okay with it and being becoming a safe space for like people to share that they're scared or share how they're feeling and just knowing that like you have a community of women that will be down to help you and help you get through it right you may not know these women but we're all in this brownie community we are all here together to help Mm -hmm. support each other in our endeavors and i think you know one thing that ayana is really really great at is connecting friends from different areas you know what i mean and she loves to do that like oh you're you're over here and you're over here but you guys probably will be good together and can make some magic happen so she's really great at that and we really take on that mindset when it comes to the brownies that's why when we did uh wireless it was amazing to be able to bring everyone together you know what i mean it was like i knew you and i knew velma but I didn't know a lot of the other women, right, from the, from the you know, UK crew. And, like, and, for, and then you guys didn't know some of the women from the US crew. But for, we all came together. And what we had in common were we were all Black women doing our thing. And we had a blast. Yes. You know, there yeah. was no... Amazing. And I think sometimes women get the stereotype of being catty, but it's really not true, right? Like, mm-hmm. we all... We'll like, we get along, we have fun, we laugh it up. Like this will be the first day we meet and we're like talking about hairstyles and what we're going to do, you know what I mean? Where we want to travel. Like, you know, women can get along really well and we just want to continue to just like promote black girl magic, happiness, success. You know, we can do business, we can read, we can party, we can run, we can do whatever we need to do. We can manifest great things and we can be amazing. fire i'm like jesus i'm like i'm speechless (laughs) after that i feel like you just gave me a sermon sis i wanted to like just to kind of round up now i wanted to kind of ask you like what do you do to switch off because me and you are quite similar in that a lot of our time is spent catering to other people so what does brianna do in her downtime off time whatever time you want to call it me time what is that your thing um i like working out and I know we're probably the weirdos who like working out, but we do. <laughs> I like Love working it. out. <laughs> so that definitely helps. Um, hanging out with my friends. I will say also in quarantine, what I love, I, I mean, I think that we're not able to travel as much, which is, you know, sad. But also I was able to really like hang out with my friends more. Like I, my weekends in lockdown are so lit. Like I'm literally just like, I'm either at my boyfriend's house or at my friend's house. And we're just like, watching TV, playing card games, relaxing, which is my favorite. Like we're literally just like hanging out and I I just love it so much. Or we'll all just travel together. Like we went to the Poconos last weekend um, and for one of my friend's birthday and you just get a house, right? And you just do the same thing, but in a different location. And it's just so good. And it's just so relaxing. And and you're able to really just unplug. And, And I will say that I feel like my friendships and my relationships have gotten so much deeper in this time, even with my family, you know, because we are able to just go a little bit deeper because we're not really as busy with all the surface level hustle and bustle. We're able to go mm. dig deeper with the relationships. Oh. So what's next, sis? What are you working on? What are you allowed to tell us? 
you know, I know you're working on many, many things, but what's next for you? Well, I'm at Platoon now and I'm really, really excited. Uh, you know, I started last year and we're just working on so many things. I just love the global nature of Platoon, which is what attracted me there. So I'm excited. Hopefully I can come and see you in London when the world is open and we can do some things and 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 also just really some, break some artists. You know, in the end, I just want to like mind my business, drink my water, break some artists, do my job and have fun. And on that note, guys, it's all over, Jackie. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoy the podcast, please spread the word. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. For any questions, please also feel free to send me a signal on Instagram or Twitter on the handles at IreneTTYA or at TTYA Talks.